We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me shortly is 49ers beat writer for the Sacramento Bee, Chris Biederman. And we have a 49ers victory to talk about. They beat the Jags 30-10. to 10, And all of a sudden, it feels like the 49ers have righted the once sinking ship. So let's get into it. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. Kittle in Denver territory. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. Bosa has got him, and a sack him back inside the 30-yard line. Nick Bosa drops Aaron Rodgers for a 13-yard loss. All right, Chris, the 49ers won. And in a vacuum, blowing out the Jags isn't that big of a deal. But in the context of this 49ers season, I think Sunday's game, for you to feel good about where they're at at 5-5, five and five, they've won two games in a row, I think you would have wanted Sunday's game to kind of go exactly how it went, where they dominated from start to finish. And right. left no doubt about who the good team was on the field. Right. If if it had looked like the Lions game where, you know, they played well for three quarters and then nearly let the Lions back in it at the end or Philadelphia where it was the offense just really struggled to do anything for, for most of the game, then you wouldn't feel great about it. You'd be like, all right, they're five and five. They still haven't really gotten it together, but that's not the case because they did play really well. They, they continued doing what they did well against the Rams um, in that they were able to run the ball. They ran it 42 times again, uh, hit, hit that 40 carry mark, which is, which is you know, obviously a, a sign that the 49ers are dictating what's happening in the game to the opponent. They didn't turn the ball over for the sec- second straight game. They did get a turnover um, defensively that led right to a touchdown. And so Kyle Shanahan basically said it, and, and I think it's something you and I have talked about on the podcast last week that, like, you know, winning beating the Rams would have meant a lot less if they didn't follow it up with a, with a win today against Jacksonville. And that's essentially what Kyle Shanahan said after the game, he said, um, we knew how much our backs were against the wall before that Rams game. And we also know that that meant nothing if we couldn't win today. And that's pretty much it. And, And George Kittle talked about, you know, like, during the the stretch where they lost five of six, I think every, you know, everybody on the outside, including us is, is looking at every little thing that's going wrong and everything that's, that's not ideal is exasperated when you're losing at a clip, like losing five of six, right? The fact that the, um, the draft class isn't really adding anything is it becomes a problem when you have players at those positions not playing well and you're losing games right but now the 49ers are not turning the ball over they're converting third down on a much higher at a much higher clip and they're winning games and so now they're five and five and you know they're not nearly as good as they were in 2019 but you feel a hell of a lot better after these two these last two wins um getting out of that streak where they lost five of six Mm-hmm. Now they're five and five with a chance to to be above 500 and, and, you know, with a pivotal game against Minnesota upcoming next week, that, 
that will be big for for the playoff picture. And now you look at the yeah. rest of the schedule too. Like 10, 11 wins is not inconceivable with with, right. with the way the schedule's shaping up. So definitely trending in the right direction. Yeah, it feels like now we talked about it after the Colts loss where you looked at their schedule and it was like, who are they beating on this schedule? Like you weren't feeling confident that they could beat anybody. But what you said about they continued doing what they did well versus the Rams was the biggest key for me because we watched what they did against the Rams and said, how sustainable is this? Was this them dominating a team that they just know well and they kind of have their number? Or was this a formula that they can use? And this is a Jags team. Did they Are the Jags good by any means? No. But the Jags beat the Bills in Jacksonville. And they hung with the Colts for four quarters in Indianapolis and had a chance to win that game. This, is, this isn't a Jags team that's just, that's just rolling over necessarily and the 49 they were allowing i think 3.9 yards per carry or something going in 2.9 3.9 they were they, they they had a really good run defense coming in and the niners did what they did against la they churned out the ground game even though they weren't creating explosive plays they weren't there but shanahan stuck with the ground game even though it wasn't generating explosive plays they were being patient jimmy garoppolo was Excellent. Once again, just distributing the ball where it needed to go, not turning it over. Um, didn't love the sack he took at the end of the game, but that's that's a that's a nitpick. Um, and that's that's going to be the formula. Can they create some explosive plays with Debo Samuel? Can they get themselves in second and third and short? And can they stay on the field and just grind defenses down? They did it against L.A. They did it again against Jacksonville. And that's going to be the game plan against Minnesota. And they have the personnel to do it. Yeah, I mean, when when George Kittle uh, scored the the fourth down touchdown to make it twenty seven to three, the Niners, and that was what midway through the third quarter, Niners had had run fifty plays to eighteen. Uh, they gained two hundred ninety two yards to eighty three for Jacksonville, oh and they had twenty two first downs to just four for Jacksonville. So it was really just a a dominating performance which like you said at the start this was the type of game that you wanted to see from a team that actually looks like a real playoff team Mm -hmm. and because there like we said there there are ways that this game could have gone that wouldn't make you feel all that confident even though the record ultimately would would have been the same had they won had they won this game right yeah um so yeah not turning the ball over has been really important um you know, getting Brandon Ayuk going, he caught all seven of his targets. What was important, Debo Samuel, all of a sudden with, you know, you, you go into this game without Elijah Mitchell and you're like, all right, that could be a pretty significant problem because of just sort of the lack of depth they have at, at running back at the moment with Trey Sermon being unable to get on the field and Jeff Wilson Jr. coming back from the knee injury. Like you only got 50 yards on 19 carries from Wilson and then 32 on 10 carries. Uh, from Sermon, but Tebow Samuel was all of a sudden the team's best running back, which is not something that you know we would have expected. Sure. Like we know Debo's <laughs> a really good player, but Debo Samuel nearly outrushed uh, Wilson and Sermon by himself. Those two combined for 82 yards, and Debo had 79 yards. But those two guys got 29 carries, and Debo just got eight. Yeah. <laughs> so he averaged nearly 10 yards a carry and scored a touchdown. Um, so that's a that's a different wrinkle to this offense now that like, all right, Debo Samuel's not only one of the best receivers in the league, but when you don't have Elijah Mitchell, who's probably going to be back next week, he might also be your best running back. Um, it's not something a lot of teams have in terms of like as a luxury with their best playmakers. So that's mm-hmm. certainly positive. And then to get, you know, seven catches uh, for – on seven targets and 85 yards with a touchdown from Brandon Ayuk is certainly a positive development because you're going to need him um, down the stretch. And then George Kittle catching all four of his targets and getting a touchdown and, and being, you know, his typical self in the running game. Like these are all very positive things for the offense. And, and now given the way that 
you know, Jimmy Garoppolo is playing over these last four games with six touchdown passes and, and just one interception. He hasn't lost a fumble. Um, you know, it just looks more in command. He looks more in command, but it's not, you know, it's not surprising that these types of Jimmy Garoppolo performances are coming when the 49ers are running the ball a lot, right? Yep. Because when you, when you have to rely on Jimmy Garoppolo to pass all the time, then that clearly hasn't been the formula for the 49ers to have success. Um, and the times it has worked, I think that's proven to be more, those games have been more outliers than, than what's to be expected. So, you know, we, we do have questions about Jimmy Garoppolo's long-term viability for obvious reasons, but now that the 49ers have sort of established this identity and regained it um, again, it's, it's maximizing Jimmy Garoppolo in a way that, yeah, he's managing games, but he's also making plays and he's getting the ball mm-hmm. out of his hand quickly and he's not turning it over. And, and that's, that's what the 49ers need from him. If they're going to be able to run the ball 40 times a game, he's making anticipatory throws, which is new. <laughs> uh, he's fitting throws in tight windows. I thought the touchdown pass to George Kittle was, was really impressive. That was really tight coverage by the Jag safety. And, uh, and he fitted in that window. The fascinating thing about the Niners offense to me is in 2019, it was all about the explosive plays, right? It was the, the big plays down the field to George Kittle or George Kittle running after the catch and the jet sweeps to Debo Samuel and the, uh, the big runs from Raheem Mostert. Their longest play today was a 34-yard pass from Garoppolo to Brandon Ayuk. And that was the play where Ayuk caught it, bounced off the, the defender and, and got upfield. Um, their longest run was the Debo 25-yard touchdown. Like, they're not doing this. They're not putting points up with these big explosive plays and just dropping the hammer. It's just death by a thousand paper cuts. And it's so, it's kind of jarring to see this version of the offense when it was so founded on explosive plays just two years ago. And now they're finding success in a different way. And I think that's a credit to the coaching staff looking at the personnel they have and saying, we can win this way. Yeah. Yeah, they can. And, but ultimately you're going to have to win other ways. Correct. Ultimately you're going to, you're going to run up against a team, um, particularly if you need to win a playoff game or maybe even upcoming against Minnesota where that team is going to sell out to stop the run and yep. they're going to load the box and say, all right, you know, win over the top. And the 49ers are going to have to prove they can do it. And maybe Kyle Shanahan's keeping those plays in his bag. Um, and, you know, just going to like saving those for later, like the the play action plays to, you know, George Kittle say, right. Mm-hmm. Because those George Kittle deep passes were a big part of the offense. And those just haven't really been, been used really at all. And, and mm-hmm. so maybe Shanahan's saving those for, for when he needs them. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think it's, it's certainly positive that they're able to establish the running game again uh, in a way that does make it easier for Garoppolo. And now sort of the next, the next step with, with the offense is going to be creating those big plays to your point. I agree. Because they're going to have to do that. Like if they want to win a playoff game, they're not going to just be able to go on the road and run it 40 times against a team. Like yep. they're going to have to, they're going to get, you know, they're going to go against better offenses than what Jacksonville did today. I mean, really more or less like the game felt kind of over after that first drive when, totally. even though the Niners didn't score a touchdown and Kyle Shanahan, you know, kicking a field goal there, didn't make any sense, but um, baffling. <laughs> but, but the fact that the Jaguars followed it up with a three and out, after the defense had been on the play, been on the field for 22 plays, technically 20, um, you know, not counting the the two penalties they had. But when Jacksonville goes three and out, then it's just like, all right, this this is a wrap. Yeah, you know, like it does it. it, it there there isn't really three and out in a minute that. 18. Yeah, like you're not your your defense is already gassed. You know the Niners are going to keep running the ball. They end up scoring a touchdown there. Um, to with Debo Samuel and then uh, and then I think Brandon I you got the next one after Josh Norman forced the fumble and it's just like all right the, the game was over quick and so I... yeah so so that's that's obviously an easy formula but it's not going to be that easy for them going forward 
another encouraging thing for the for the 49ers i'm i'm with you all the way like the, like explosive plays are a must in the nfl today because eventually they're going to run up a team up against a team maybe minnesota that's going to drop a 60 yard touchdown on them and now they have to get back on the field and if they're going three and out or they're not generating any big plays in response it's like that becomes hard to contend with and hard to keep up with you know if you're needing 15 plays to score and they're scoring in three plays like that's that becomes tough to sustain over 60 minutes but an encouraging sign for the 49ers to me today was they put up 30 points if I had told you that Debo Samuel and George Kittle were going to have five catches for 49 yards combined, you would have not felt great about where the Niners were at in this game. No, which speaks to how crazy it is that Debo Samuel can be their leading rusher in a game exactly. where they don't have Elijah Mitchell <laughs> and, and still the, run the ball 42 times. So one of the things I'm really excited to see is what the last couple games bears in terms of what Shanahan's going to do play calling wise down the road mm-hmm. because they had a couple of times today where they had a receiver go like in motion to the right with a running back lined up to to Garoppolo's right where the receiver kind of like leaked out into the flat and then he handed it off the other way uh he's doing a lot more fun stuff with motion out of shotgun I just I and and two running backs without Kyle Juszczyk on the field where it's, you know, Trey Sermon or Jeff Wilson Jr. lining up in that kind of fullback tight end spot and coming H- across the formation. H-back. H-back, thank you. Mm-hmm. So, uh, big football guy. <laughs> and, uh, no, I just, I, I think that there's going to be some really fun stuff they're going to do offensively that's been set up the last couple of days where they are going to generate explosive plays because teams are sitting on a play they've run 10 times out of a certain formation. So, um they need the explosive plays to be there, but I think they're going to be, even if they haven't been the last couple of weeks. It'll certainly help when Elijah Mitchell comes back, probably next week. Yeah. Right. Because then you could sort of like, if you get Brandon Ayu going in the passing game and given that Debo Samuel has been one of the best receivers in the league, then you're really starting to look at the possibilities of like, all right, this, the, the theory of, Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk being a really good tandem is now coming to fruition, right? Mm-hmm. And so add George Kittle into that mix, add in the fact that you could feel comfortable running the ball 30 times, then you become a really tough team to beat, whether or not Jimmy Garoppolo is a top 10 quarterback or not. Right? So, um, yeah. And, and you look at the standings, like there's a three-way tie for the last two spots in the NFC wildcard right now. The, the, um, yep. the Niners, the Saints, and the Vikings are all five and five. And the Vikings are in the sixth spot. The Saints are in the seventh spot because of tiebreakers. But that obviously changes for San Francisco if they're able to win next week and, and get the right. It's basically a playoff game. Yeah, more or less. It's, it's about as important as any game in November can be. Yes, I agree. Non-division. I want to. I want to jump over to the defense real quick because for the second consecutive day, the or the second consecutive week, the Niners' defense was really good. Um, part of the reason is while they're not generating those big chunk plays with with regularity on offense, they're also not giving any up on defense. Um, Matt Stafford and Van Jefferson hooked up for a thirty-three yard reception on Monday night, and that's the longest play the Niners have given up in the last two weeks. Their longest play today was twenty-five yards. Um, their longest 20, play allowed 22. 22 yards. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Accuracy is important. It is the Niners longest run was 25 yards that belonged to Debo Samuel. Hmm. Um, but longest play today was 22 yards. And I mean, I know that this is a, this is a not good Jags team, but the fact that that's two weeks in a row where they're limiting the amount of big plays they're giving up is a huge deal. And Absolutely. I think that that can be something that is sustainable for them. I mean, Emmanuel Mosley's playing pretty well. Josh Norman's been less than a disaster. And, and I think Jimmy Ward, as long as he's back at free safety is going to be, that's kind of what he's really good at is, is not allowing teams to rip off those 40, 50, 60 yard plays. So I think that's something they can continue doing as well. uh, Defensively, even if it's not, you know, the, the top five or three defense that we saw in 2019. Arden key sacks in three straight games. I mean, what are you going to do, you know? 
Uh, Nick the Niners. Bosa's, the Niners are two and one in games where Arden Key records a sack. That's they're also a they're undefeated since they released Drake or Patrick. Shout out mm. to our guy Dre. Um, <laughs> no, I mean Nick Bosa had two sacks today. Really, like one actual sack and another one where he pushed Trevor Trevor Lawrence out of bounds. Um, still counts. Ten sacks on the year. Loss. Yeah, ten sacks on the year. New career high. It's still got seven games left, so he uh, he'll definitely set a new i mean yeah he'll set a new career hide by shatter it a, a wide margin yeah he'll shatter that um but yeah the jack the also like the jags are really bad they stink dude really what bad. were they doing what were they doing like like the, er, the safety does the, urban meyer get to week 18 yeah because it was so bad earlier in the year like if he was going to survive that it feels like he they're just gonna be like all right we'll we'll just as long as this doesn't go completely sideways with like a bunch of weird infighting and bad stuff right. behind the scenes like they'll you know they can just keep them and then hit the coach at least they've got trent balky there to keep the ship steady yeah and trent balky's just been nails when he's had first year coaches in his yeah. last few tries so <laughs> maybe they can make him in charge of the uh, the coaching search and bring somebody like chip kelly or um jim jimmy Tomsula. Uh, you know, maybe Jim Harbaugh is back in the NFL next year. <laughs> no, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think I, you know, I'm gonna rule that one out. Okay, never okay. say never, but I'm ruling it out. Never say never, but never to quote yeah. my Tomlin. Yeah, yeah, that's um, where I'm at. I just, I, 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 like I said, I know it's quote unquote just the Jaguars, but the Niners did everything they needed to do today like style points right, i know right. they don't i don't i know they don't count from a like college football playoff perspective but they count a little bit in how how they looked they didn't turn the ball over three times and sneak out a win they didn't let the jags climb back into it they put a beat down on a bad team and that's what good teams do that's what and yeah i mean we've we've made the point before like in 2019 yeah. they played a bunch of bad teams and everyone was like and you know they started out nine and oh or whatever it was eight no and then the whole thing was like well they haven't beaten anybody yet it's like yeah but they're destroying all these teams right they're at least right? better than eight teams <laughs> right right so it, it was they and they the Niners turned out that to be good right despite the mm -hmm. fact that their competition wasn't great it was more of like if you looked at just how those games went it was like yeah the Niners are dominating these teams which is what good teams to your point need to do Unre a sort of related to that it was really funny being in bay area radio at the time because they were like winning the nfc championship game by three touchdowns and there were still people calling in like yeah but let's see him play the chiefs <laughs> like really that's where we're at <laughs> three quarters into the super bowl i don't know <laughs> yeah wait till the which would have been fair at that point <laughs> i know i mean it turned out to be right but the fascinating thing in regards to garoppolo specifically i want to jump back to him for a minute because you talked about um, how good he's been the last four games and it weirdly coincides with, so um, week seven was that game against the Colts coming out of the bye. It's a disaster against the Colts in the rain. Week seven of the 2019 season was that disaster nine, nothing win over Washington in the rain. And after that Garoppolo was very good the rest of the way. And after week seven in 2019, that's when they got Emmanuel Sanders. Well, after that Colts game, that's when they got Elijah Mitchell back and um, and George Kittle back and um, Brandon Ayuk started to break out. And so I'm wondering if we're if this is just kind of what Jimmy Garoppolo is, where it takes him X amount of weeks. I mean, that's not ideal. It's not good but it just takes him X amount of weeks to kind of get his legs under him. And now he's just going to be pretty good the rest of the way. And he had a couple of stinkers in there for sure. Like the loss to Seattle at home in 2019 was really bad, but um, I'm just wondering if this is just kind of what he's going to be the rest of the year where it's just like, Oh, it turns out he's pretty good, <laughs> pretty good player. 76 of a hundred in his last four games, 76 of one Oh nine, a thousand and six yards, six touchdowns, one interception, no loss fumbles, 113.17 rating. I think it's the, the, uh, 
was it the second time in his career he's had four straight games with a pass rating over 100 um so yeah i mean you know like this is we knew jimmy garoppolo had this in him it was never a question of can jimmy garoppolo play effectively enough for them to win because we know they could Mm-hmm. It was just, do you trust him to be this good for as prolonged a period of time? And did you trust him when your defense isn't going to be as good as it was when it was, you know, the best in the league in 2019? So I still have questions about about that, right? Like, I still wonder if Jimmy Garoppolo is going to improve to the point where you do feel comfortable dial, dialing up plays when dialing up explosive plays when teams crowd the line of scrimmage and really try to take away the running game. Um, you do. I'm surprised if Jimmy Garoppolo can like go on the road, like say the Niners have to go to Dallas and Dak Prescott's on fire and you have to get 40 points to win the game. Like can Jimmy Garoppolo deliver in a situation like that? Like that's still the question that I have and maybe, maybe he will, but that's ultimately like we know, like it's positive that the 49ers have regained this identity, but the death by a thousand paper cuts thing with these 15 play drives, like I have questions about how sustainable that is when you get sure, you know, deeper into the season. I honestly like Jimmy Garoppolo going on the road into a hostile environment isn't actually a thing that concerns me that much. Like, yeah, I no, think he I think he I, he, I think he's the kind of guy who's who would just kind of be nails in that situation. But to your point less than that can he make you know right now he has to make what eight throws a game six six to eight throws a like game where it's throws, like you yeah. know yeah got it got to be money here and in he, a game like he that missed a layup to jeff wilson jr in the he first. missed two layups today the, the one to wilson was as bad as it gets yeah um but keeping this micro um and to your point can he go in at home on the road, whatever, in a game where he has to make 15 or 20 throws, can he do that? Right. And that's that's where you know we've seen him do it before. And you know, everybody points to the Saints game. Well, he did it in New Orleans. Okay, that's great. That's one. And there are there are a couple in others. Seattle for the most part. Yeah. It, it's just do you trust him to do that with any semblance of consistency? And that's still going to be the question. And through the last four games, he's been been really good and you have to feel good if you're the 49ers about what you're getting from under center can especially in light of where they were at in week five or after week seven that loss to the Colts because since then Garoppolo has been nails forget how many throws he's made or, or not made he's been really good yeah and Kyle Shanahan's point with Garoppolo has always been like if he can stay healthy that he can get better And what Garoppolo didn't do really until the last four weeks was show signs of getting better. And part of that was, you know, the issues of what was going on around him was the fact that the defense wasn't playing well. The fact that George Kittle was out, um, Elijah Mitchell missed some time. Garoppolo himself got hurt. Um, But if all those things sort of stabilize, then you can get to a point where maybe Jimmy Garoppolo can get better. And when Jimmy Garoppolo starts getting to the point where he can overcome those things and continue to get better despite things falling apart around him, that's when you really take a tangible step as a quarterback, when you can maintain your high level of play week after week, no matter what the circumstances are. And to this point throughout Jimmy Garoppolo's career, it's been proven basically that the circumstances need to be ideal for you to maximize them. And so that's the difference ultimately between the best quarterbacks and the worst ones are the ones who are a product of of their circumstances or the ones who make create better circumstances for the teams that they play for. Um, And that's why Aaron Rodgers can, you know, win games without Devontae Adams and uh, things like that can happen. So I'm fascinated to see if at some point, because it, they didn't really dial up any shot plays against the Rams and it looked like there might have been one or two today that just weren't there. But I'm really interested to see in a game where, because the defense, I, I don't want to take anything away. The defense has been really good the last two weeks too. And in a situation where the defense has given up three or four touchdowns to the Vikings, when Garoppolo does 
have a shot play dialed up? Does he does he take it and does he make that throw? Um, it's interesting. I'm very interested to see what the offense looks like when they can't do what they've done the last two weeks, because that's the big question. That's a million dollar question, and yeah. it's always been the million dollar question. Yeah, and and you know if I if Brandon Ayuk can be a guy that you can go to seven times a game with efficiency, then that's going to be huge. If he had, you have Elijah Mitchell to balance things out so you don't have to use Debo Samuel in the backfield, because look, one of the issues, like it's very, it's, it's great that Debo Samuel can line up in the backfield and be effective in the running game. Mm-hmm. But like every time he's back there, he's getting the ball. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you're, if, if, if you're scouting the 49ers and you're Minnesota next week, you're saying, all right, if Debo Samuel's in the backfield, he's going to get the ball. So we need to prepare for that. Mm-hmm. And at some point, the 49ers need to develop a counterpunch to that or just not put him back there as much because you feel comfortable with Elijah Mitchell back there because Debo Samuel needs to be a big part of the passing game for for you to be able to win those games right. like we're talking about. So that's that's going to be something that needs to happen. And hopefully for them, that happens when Elijah Mitchell comes back and, and he can stay healthy. It's yeah, it's three injuries now, like three separate injuries for Elijah Mitchell. Yeah, that have cost some time, right? Or at least like hampered him. It was the shoulder, then the ribs, and now the finger. Yeah, and Kyle Shanahan's, you know, having Jeff Wilson Jr. back certainly helps. Um, getting Trey Sermon ten carries today should help, and and hopefully portends to him being more of a bigger part of the offense, just because you're going to want to lighten the load off off the other yeah. running backs. But um. Yeah, I mean, all these things are positive, but there are still steps for the offense to take. Brandon Ayuk having seven catches for 85 yards and a touchdown, I think is a big deal. In a game where Debo Samuel got two targets and they could lean on Brandon Ayuk because Debo's touches were all coming in the run game is a really big deal. Through the first six games, he had nine catches for 96 yards and a touchdown. He had seven for 85 and a touchdown on Sunday. He is all the way back. And, and capable of being the number one receiving option, which he was today. Yeah. Sunday. And George Kittle now has had touchdowns in three straight games for the first time in his career. Right. And that was the mm-hmm. thing with Kittle was like, well, you know, the, George Kittle's obviously really good, but he's more of a big play tight end and not really a red zone guy. Like George Kittle now very much feels like a red zone guy. And the Niners yeah. are one of the best red zone teams in the NFL in large part because of what George Kittle gives them both in the running game and in the passing game. But, be, be having a big body who can run like those choice routes and, you know, like whichever, like run the opposite direction to wherever the coverage is dictated based mm-hmm. on leverage and whatever, being able to do that with a guy like Kittle is really important. And so yeah. having Ayuk and Debo certainly helps, but having creating a passing game where you can now open things up for George Kittle by the way you use other guys is massive particularly yep. for Jimmy Garoppolo, who does his best work in the middle of the field. Yep. So it's uh, it's I, trending in the right direction based on how this is looking. The big thing for me with the three Kittle touchdowns is they've all been relatively contested, which was the big like hole in his game, if you were picking one, was I felt like, and I'm sure there's some, but anecdotally, he dropped a lot of like contested jump ball type throws through the first couple of first few years of his career and his last three touchdowns and each of the last three games have been in traffic getting up in the air on the first two and then and then the one today where it was really tight coverage guy draped all over him and he still hauled it in for for the touchdown um so it's good more really good development and like i said kind of closes the only real flaw that you could you could see in his game and credit to to garoppolo and and shanahan in that fourth fourth and goal spot just getting the ball to their their best player like you have george kittle you're paying him to make catches in situations like that you'd also love to be able to get like a receiving touchdown from your 20 other 26 million dollar player on offense well you know in trent, in trent williams <laughs> yeah uh, not a great route by him you'd like to see him break it off a little sharper to the corner you'd like him to be a little bit more competitive at the catch point yeah, for sure. Um, you know, but but use that athleticism I mean, to high points of ball. Just be an athlete. Something I'll have to work on. Yeah, something I'll have to work on. 
The fact he got up the way he did, though, at his size is insane. He is a completely different athlete. It's like he is a superhero. Yeah, he's. Yeah, I don't I don't know how like I guess you really kind of got to see it up close to understand like. He moves like somebody that weighs 150 pounds less than he does. Yeah. Like if you took a super athletic person. And then strapped another person to that person. Like, <laughs> like that's how that's how athletic Trent Williams. Is. Sure, but yeah. <laughs> a hundred and fifty pound person <laughs> on the back of a really athletic person, and then ask that person to move around and and block and do all these things. It's it's insane. He's it was really good had, for a reason. Yeah, it was the first time he had ever been an eligible receiver in his football playing life. He said after that, which is in, in bananas considering his athleticism. Not one coach had been like, hey, let's try and get this guy in space on a linebacker. Yeah, like, why w- Why wasn't he ever a running back at any point? Like, he was never your short yardage your short yardage running back, like, in high school? Like, nah, not even once? <laughs> <laughs> you know, who's, who's tackling that guy? Who's preventing him from falling forward on second and inches? I could see where you'd be worried because he's so big that people are diving at his knees and ankles and stuff, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'd give it. I'd give it a shot. Right. I mean, in high school, a lot of times now that I'm a huge high school football expert. Right. Um, a lot of times the running back is just like the most athletic dude. Yeah. And it's clear like, all right, that guy will probably play, you know, like when in Santa Rosa or this Annalie was technically in Sebastopol, but there was a guy named Grayson Gunheim. Um, I forget where he played in college, but he was a running back and he wound up playing for the Raiders at defensive end. Like as a senior, like 220, 230 pounds, just like running over everybody. And you don't have to be particularly skilled. Patrick Willis was a running back in in high school. Right. Friend of the pod, Patrick Willis. Friend of the pod. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There was a guy at Ignacio Valley whose name is right now escaping me. And at some point later in the pod, I'm going to remember and I'm going to shout it out. But same thing where he was just like a bowling ball. Like he was just the biggest person on the field and just ran. Like they're just like, here, nobody's going to tackle you. Just go, just go run around. It's a good strategy that I think an NFL team needs to employ is what I'm saying. Let's hit a quick break and then get to pick six. Yep. Hey, we got to talk about tick pick because the 49ers are back in the thick of the playoff race. They're at 500 and they're coming home to face the Minnesota Vikings, who are going to be right there with them in the playoff chase. And that game in week 12 at Levi Stadium against the Minnesota Vikings could go a long way toward determining uh, playoff seeding and whether one of those teams either does or does not get into the playoffs. Kyle Shanahan talked about it. Players talked about it, how awesome the fans were on Monday Night Football. And the Niners are going to need that in week 12 against a good Minnesota Vikings team. Chris, I actually used TickPick over the weekend when I was in Arizona. I'm hanging out with a buddy of mine, and we didn't have a plan. That was our running bit, is that I went and visited him in Arizona. We didn't have a plan. We're hanging out. And we're sitting there Saturday night. We're like, hey, the Cardinals are at home tomorrow. Let's go. Panthers in town. Cam Newton on the sideline. We didn't know Cam was going to play. Like, yeah, let's go. Let's go hang out and watch watch Cardinals Panthers. And he goes, okay, well, I'll check and see tickets. Well, I said, I got this. So I went to TickPick. I looked at it and found great prices. And I told him, hey, here's how much the tickets are. It's just get in the door. You know, we don't we don't need to sit on the 50-yard line or anything. Just getting in the door. And he said, okay, but what's like the actual price? So what are you talking about? That's the price. And he said, no, no, no. After all the fees and stuff, like how much is this going to cost me? And I said, dude, this is TickPick, bro. They've eliminated the fees. This price I'm showing you is the price that it is. We're going to go sit in there and we're going to drink expensive beer and we're going to watch PJ uh, Walker and Cam Newton light up the Cardinals. I didn't say that because I didn't know Cam was going to play, but you get it. That's what we ended up doing. It was an incredible time. And you can have that same incredible time at Levi Stadium in week 12 when the 49ers host the Minnesota Vikings if you just go to TickPick. They've eliminated all those service fees that make the tickets so much more expensive than they look. It is the best ticket buying experience that you can have 
If you can find better prices for the same seats on a different ticket site, TickPick will give you 100% of the difference in the purchase price. And you can visit TickPick.com slash candlestick today to save $10 on your first order of 49ers tickets. That's right. Hit up TickPick.com slash candlestick today to save $10 on your first order of 49ers tickets. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I forget on podcasts, I don't have to shout that we're going to break. Like they'll just, they'll just edit the break in. Talk, talk and then there will be, problems. and then there will be, I know I want to do a tease like after this pick six <laughs> coming up in five clones. Uh, all right, Tyler, do the thing with the, with the sound and the, and the stuff. It's pick six time, everybody. Where Chris and I each had our three players for this game. Chris picked three. I picked three. That's six. That's where the bit gets its name. It's very creative. And then we pick a winner based on whose players did better. I had the first pick this week, and I took Debo Samuel, who did not have a great game through the air, just one catch for 15 yards, but he had a very good game on the ground. He carried it nine times. Uh, excuse me, eight times for 79 yards. He had a rushing touchdown and right now looks like the 49ers best running back, which is wild. So it seemed like I said, I think I said it last week, like it felt kind of crazy to be like, is Debo Samuel in the offensive player of the year discussion? But like if the Niners make the playoffs and Debo Samuel is both like their best receiver and best running back and continues scoring touchdowns at Kind of a ridiculous clip. Like, do you see what Jonathan Taylor did today? It's got to be in the mix. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Debo didn't score four <laughs> touchdowns, but I mean, six on the season. Like, if he gets to like twelve and has you know sixteen hundred all-purpose yards, like you're gonna you're gonna throw him in that mix, right? I love, I love that. Yeah, yeah, he'll be in the conversation for sure. And I love that. I think here's what I think happens with this. Like we've seen Debo line up as a running back before and we've seen him do the jet motions and, and all that. Mm. But I think Kyle Shanahan watched what the Arthur Smith and the Falcons were doing with Cordero Patterson and went, Oh, we have a better version of that. So we're just going to do that, but better. And it's working because Debo Samuel is one of the most uniquely talented football players in the league. And the 49ers have a head coach who recognizes that and is going to take advantage of it. And it's working. He's averaging 16. He came into the game averaging 16 yards a touch. Mm, had, that took a hit today. Yeah, took a huge hit. Uh, <laughs> he had over 1,000 yards from scrimmage in nine games. He has eight touchdowns now. Um, Jeez. Yeah, he's, he's really good. Um, good player. Niners MVP quite easily through 10 games. Like, I don't close? think it's close. Yeah, it's, it's not, not close. Okay. Um, I took Fred Warner, who had a fumble recovery today. Yep. Um, the one produced by Josh Norman. 
Uh, otherwise, let me pull up the box score here. Led the team in tackles, seven total, um, four solo, three assisted. Can I tell fine. you something? Can I tell better. you something Fred Warner did that did not show up in the box score? Oh, please. We're all about we're I mean, we're not about just box score scouting on this podcast. Yeah. So I've I watched the game, Chris. <laughs> and there was a player that going into the game, I was keeping a very close eye on, and that was tight end Dan Arnold. Oh, who, of course who with the Jags in six games had 39 targets, 27 catches, 315 yards. And in the last three weeks was uh, 10 targets, seven targets, eight targets, eight catches, four catches, five catches, and went over 60 yards in every single one of those games. He did not have a target today. Wow. And I think that had a lot to do with what Fred Warner and, and Aziz Alshire as well were doing in the second level. Shout out to Fred Warner. I've got to grind the tape to see just how much of that had to do with him, but at least a little bit of it. And that's not going to show up in the box score. Yeah, I want to look at the advanced. Dan Arnold didn't show. Dan Arnold is literally not in the box score. Yeah. I need to need to rewatch the tape, look at the advanced analytics, and see if it all matches up. Totally. But I can't wait to see the game report for this. <laughs> um <laughs> third overall, my second pick was Nick Bosa. We said it. He had two sacks credited for two sacks. The incredible thing about Nick Bosa, I don't want to get into the, how often he gets held thing because like, that's just a reality of being a good pass rusher. Everybody needs and to stop. It, it, it does. It needs stop to stop complaining right. about Nick Bosa being here's, here's just stop. Here's go. I, I pro like, it seems like it's just a Nick Bosa thing because Typically, that's where like 49er fans are really watching the 49ers and mm. kind of, you know, passively watching other games. But I promise you, every fan base has that complaint about their best pass rusher. The offensive linemen are at a huge disadvantage when they're going backwards and they need to gain the advantage somehow. So they hold and they get away with it a lot because if the refs were going to call every holding call, plays would never happen. And the product in the NFL would suck if there was holding on. Every it would be play. so bad. Do you know what else they do? Watch really close. They give tackles an extra like split second to start their to start their their drop on pass protection. Like the tackle gets off just a little bit before the ball. Right. What? Like, I'm like it's just that's how it is. The what I want to talk about with Nick Bosa as far as holding goes is not how often he gets hold. It's how or how often he gets held. It's how often he just powers through said hold to come up with a sack or make a play. Mm -hmm. It's unbelievable. And that's what he did on his first sack today. He was just in a headlock and just kind of powered through it and, and knocked Trevor Lawrence down. And it was it was a really, really impressive display. Yeah, some of his best plays have, have come while he was being held. Like one of one of his plays that really stood out to me, even going back to 2019, was against the Saints in the first mm -hmm. half of that game. The Niners couldn't stop a nosebleed and the Saints offense was just cooking him. And then there was, I think it was a run to Taysom Hill um, outside on a third down. And Nick Bosa was being held by Ryan Ramchek, one of the best right tackles in the league, and still made the play for like a five-yard loss. And then the Saints had to punt. And that really felt like – that was the first point. It was like, okay, the Niners could really win this because they could – like if they're actually capable of getting stops, they can yeah. win this game. Um but yeah, he can overcome it. He, he talked to reporters after the game about, you know, being able to play the mental game with his opponents more now, like setting things up and working multiple moves and um, taking more of a macro view of his game plan, as opposed to, you know, he said when he was a rookie, he was really trying to just win each individual pass rushing play. And now he's, he's more cerebral about it. And, and, um, and he just feels like he's in a more, advanced headspace when it comes to developing his game plans and, and attacking guys weaknesses and things like that so right you know nick bose is physically just you know one of the most physically impressive players in the league full stop and i still think he has potential one day to to be a defensive player of the year type guy mm -hmm. um but yeah he's he's a good player good good two picks for you yeah really strong for me um i went with george kittle Fourth overall, my second pick. Mm -hmm. One touchdown today. Uh, I believe he had four catches. Yep. 
four catches, all four targets, 34 yards. It's not many. Um, good in the running game again. It's always. And I don't have a whole lot of George Kittle analysis. I think we hit on a lot of it. He's a uh, he's a good player, but uh, it feels like every George Kittle catch matters. Yeah, like a lot of them are on third down. Yeah, or they go for a first down. Like I I don't know what it is. But it's just like every time George Kittle makes a catch, it's in a spot where it's like, oh, they needed that. Yeah, he's not getting a bunch of like four yard gains on second and ten. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's he's converting third downs or he's, you know, getting first downs on first or second down. Like he's they do all matter. They're good at picking their spots with him. And it's very clear, like I think the touchdown was a choice route. Like they, him and Jimmy Garoppolo have a good rapport when it comes to like just mm-hmm. making plays on the fly that might not necessarily be by design, but there are options built into the offense where mm-hmm. they can look at the leverage of the coverage and just say, "All right, well, if he's if he's if he has outside leverage, I'm just going to cut inside." And then Garoppolo, mm-hmm. because he has a quick release, can can make that throw um, in a tight spot. So um, good game for Kittle. Did score a touchdown first time in his career. He's had three straight. So we'll see if he can get a four straight next week. I want to pause this real quick because you reminded me of something I wanted to say earlier that I forgot to say. Okay. A really, this is how you know I'm a really heady football watcher. Mm-hmm. Big football guy. <laughs> Huge football guy. No, the one of the one of the things that jumped out to me today, one of the plays, like we talked about Garoppolo being in command of the offense and just being more decisive and just not happy feet in the pocket aren't there as much um he just he looks like he has a better idea of what he's doing just kind of overall was right before the end of the half when they didn't have any timeouts and they ran a play with nine seconds left and trey sermon ran out into the flat and garoppolo went to throw it to him because that was the last read and purpose i purposely airmailed him because there was a defender there who was going to tackle Sermon in bounds had they completed it. And it also would have gone for a loss. So I think the recognition of getting through the reads, seeing that what he wanted initially wasn't there, looking to his check down and noticing that that play was not going to be the smart one and just kind of throwing it over his head to get it out of bounds to get the field goal team on was a really smart play that I don't think he makes in the first couple of weeks. That's Didn't all. love Kyle Shanahan's clock management at the end of the half. Nope. It was abysmal. Anyways, <laughs> run, pick six. <laughs> run with Trey Sermon. No gain. Let the clock run. Then throw a completion. Then call a timeout. And now, like, you just have to scramble to get a 48-yard field goal? That happens That happens a lot. Where it's not- like he's caught in between wanting to try and score and not. And so... He always starts those drives with a run being like, maybe I can pop a run. It's like, maybe you can pop a pass. Yeah. <laughs> like, what, like, what, what, what is Do you I, trust I the quarterback or not, man? Yeah. Anyways, I, I um, fifth pick, my last pick. Yeah. Trent Williams, guy we just talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really good again. And part of the reason that the 49ers can, can churn out the gains they do on the ground, I think especially with the Debo Samuel stuff, because you said it like when he's in the backfield, teams know what's coming. I mean, the Niners ran a ton of stuff with him just off left tackle. And they do that because Trent Williams is going to succeed in his block. And he got a pass thrown his way for the first time in his career. So shout out to Trent Williams. Um, Nothing crazy notable on like, you know, where he wiped out a linebacker or anything Nuts like that, no viral Trent Williams blocks, but just another really sound just, game. Yeah, I gotta, don't think I heard... we gotta let the the offensive line folks on Twitter dive into the film. Good tomorrow. point. Yeah, no, good point. Um, Josh also, Allen had a Josh, Josh Allen, Allen had a quiet game. That's which is right. Probably a sign that Trent Williams had a good one. Yeah, and that's where that was the that was the reason I picked him was um, you know what's what's Josh Allen doing? He didn't register a quarterback hit. He did have a tackle for loss. Um, and a forced fumble, but um, is Trent Williams a really good player? Yep. Still, still awaiting that first touchdown reception of the mm. year, though. I didn't know Someday. there's a rule apparently that a lineman coming in, uh, reporting as eligible, 
has to be off the field the following play. So the 49ers tried that pass to Trent Williams on third down, and then Williams couldn't be on the field on fourth down, which I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. And I wonder if it's because typically when you throw it to an offensive lineman, it goes for a touchdown. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's one of those obscure rules that I had never heard before. So I, I, maybe, maybe I'll do some digging or maybe not. Cause it doesn't really matter. <laughs> so who played, who, I, I wasn't paying attention. Who played left tackle on the fourth down? Uh, Jalen Moore was at left tackle on that play. I, I noticed Williams came out of the game. I didn't realize that that was a rule, but Williams came out of the game on fourth down. And I think uh, Jalen Moore moved to left tackle and then Tom Compton moved, moved to the right mm, side. Totally. Um, all right, last pick. I had Jeff Wilson Jr. Uh, not a great game, a voluminous game for him uh, with 19 carries, but only 50 yards, 2.6 yard average, a long of 11. Um, he didn't like run poorly. It just wasn't there. Just none of his runs really went for explosive gains, um, but he was able to, I mean, just being available to take 19 carries in a game like this, where you do have Debo Samuel making bigger plays out of the backfield was important. And um, but tackling yeah. Jeff Wilson jr. Looks like a chore. Yeah. It doesn't look fun. And I think that's like, I, I, I think 2020 was a little bit of an anomaly for him from a production standpoint. Right. Like I don't, I don't think we're going to see him be a four and a half, five yards a carry guy. But if you are giving him 15 carries in a game, 10 or 15 carries, like all 10 or 15 of those are going to are going to hit the defense. Like defenders are not going to feel great after that. And I think that's where he's going to be really effective, like short yardage stuff and just kind of wearing defenses down. And as we talked about at the top of the podcast, that's going to be, I think, one of the 49ers calling cards. Like they're going to punch you in the mouth. And Jeff Wilson Jr. is a running back who's very, very good at that. Yeah, and it's very clear now that if the 49ers want to run the ball 30, 35, 40 times, they're going to need multiple backs to do it. And Wilson's going to be one of those guys. Because when they only have Elijah Mitchell, like that's when you decide to call just nine runs and like they did in that Arizona game. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I think you won because, yeah, I mean, Debo had two sacks. Or sorry, Bosa had two sacks. Debo <laughs> no. had a touchdown. Um, That's the next evolution of Debo. Pass rushing. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna concede this one. I think Warner. Him. I think Warner and Williams are pretty much a, a wash. But Wilson not getting that touchdown that Garoppolo missed to him. Right. That one hurt. Yeah. That was a great play call too. He was wide open. Wide open. I don't know what it is, but those outbreaking routes to the right, Garoppolo just can't hit him. He missed Debo on one in Chicago. He missed Wilson on that one. He missed Juszczyk on one later in the game. Oh, you're right. Good call. Can't, the little short. Yeah, little if it's short, t- yeah. four yards and, a, and an out, it's, Garoppolo's not doing it. Right. It's weird. It's two wins in a row for me. That's big. Yeah, no idea what the season-long record is. Um, but yeah, I, think, I think we're pretty much breaking even. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. We should do something. Maybe we can talk about this off air, but do something where like, yeah. all right, we've hit our limit at how many times we can pick this person. Oh, kind of like a survivor pool. Like, or we do like one offense, one defense, one wild guard or something. Yeah, no, I like this. Yeah. We'll develop the bit. It'll be good. Yeah. Because like, if it's all it's dependent the- on whoever picks Debo Samuel, like, all right, like, <laughs> it's, less, it's less fun and competitive that way. But sure. Um, anyway, we'll figure it out. But yeah. Good win for the Niners. Yeah. Interesting week coming up. It was yeah. almost if the Packers were able to complete that comeback in Minnesota, it would have been basically a perfect Sunday for the Niners because the Saints lost. The Panthers lost. Um, and the, the Falcons Niners lost earlier this week. Falcons lost. And so if the Vikings lost and the Niners would have been the sixth seed, I believe. Man. Or at least the seventh seed. Now they're currently the eighth seed, but it doesn't matter. All that matters, Kyle, is where they are after week 18. Yeah. (laughs) 
I couldn't agree more, man. Long season, marathon, not a sprint. Absolutely. Every week matters. Every week matters. Um, Trey but Lance I, got I, some birds no, today. He did. He picked up a third and five to seal the game yep. with his legs. It's good work for him. As he does. He got better today. Get 1% better. Much, um, much needed experience. <laughs> um, I do think it's it's pretty incredible, though, considering where this team was after they lost to the Cardinals that we're now sitting in a spot where it's like, oh, well, if they beat the Vikings, all of a sudden they can jump as high as the sixth seed. Like, that's a pretty incredible turnaround. And after week seven, when they lost to the Colts, it was like, what game, how many wins are left on this schedule? And now we're talking about they could get to 10 or 11. And I don't think it's, it's crazy or unsustainable anything they're doing. So they're five and five. Yeah. They have seven games left. Minnesota at yeah. home. Winnable. Okay. At Seattle. Winnable. Clearly winnable. Seattle stinks. At Seattle that or at Cincinnati, that's going to be a tough game, but also winnable. Mm-hmm. Um, home to Atlanta, definitely winnable. At Tennessee, that's their toughest remaining, eh, one of their toughest remaining games. Um, Houston at home. If they don't win, then somebody should get fired. Uh, <laughs> and then at the Rams, who they just beat. So seven games left. If they go four and three, they're nine and eight. Right? That's the right math. Yeah. So mm-hmm. if they go five and two, they're at 10 and seven. Uh, 10 and seven, which is, I don't think 10 and seven is crazy. No. It's gonna take it's gonna take that next step though, that evolution we talked about. Right. Where they can't go death by a thousand paper cuts every single week. Like if when it works, great, but what happens when it doesn't? Like what's what's the adjustment? We haven't seen it yet, but that's gonna determine whether they win ten or they win seven. Right. Like when a team adjusts, what do they do? Yeah. Cause it's coming. They're gonna they're gonna have to. And I think they've done a nice job. The coaching staff's done a nice job the last couple of weeks of, of kind of getting them out of that rut and finding a way to be successful offensively, but there's going to be another adjustment coming. Yeah. Completely agree. Um, the Bengals beat the Raiders 32 to 13, by the way. Yikes. Tough scene. Tough scene for the Raiders. Yeah. Anyways. Some weird, some weird scores today, but that's the NFL. It just came across my desk. <laughs> uh, let's see. Yeah, Philadelphia hung forty on New Orleans. Yikes. Houston. Yeah, beat like Tennessee? that's that's. Wait, yeah. Houston beat Tennessee. What? Houston. Houston was up eighteen to nothing on Tennessee. Nineteen to nothing. Yeah, nineteen to nothing. They were up. Brian Tannehill threw three picks. The football team of, of Washington beat Carolina. Not yeah. super surprising. Ooh, Indy no, Buffalo. And that's Indy Buffalo. 41 yeah, to 15 Indy, on the and road. And it wasn't even that close. It wasn't even that close. Wow. It's a weird, it's a weird, it's a weird year, man. And like when you look at when you look at the NFC standings, and that's why that's why the Niners are in a good spot. Like the team directly behind them is the Eagles, and they have a tiebreaker over the Eagles. New Orleans is rocking with Trevor Simeon as their starting quarterback and Taysom Hill working in there. And Minnesota is their defense is not good. Like Minnesota does not have a very good defense, and they can be had. And it's just it's it's wild to think about considering where the 49ers were a couple weeks ago, but that's what they needed. They needed a couple of dominant wins and they got them, and and the rest of the NFC is a little bit of a disaster. Can they stay above the fray? I think there are five good teams in the NFC. Arizona, Dallas, Green Bay, Tampa, and the Rams, although they're, they've lost two in a row. So the top um, five seeds. In the AFCs, are there... I mean, it's shaping up nicely for Kansas City. Kansas City. Yeah, you're damn right it is. Currently up 19-9 to nine against Dallas. Um Tennessee, I got Baltimore, the Chiefs at New plus twelve hundred to win it all. So yeah, sick brag. Um, Patriots, 
Seven and four fighting Mac Jones. Fighting Mac. That's Jones a storyline. That's something to keep an eye on. Just, you know, <laughs> for no reason. Oh man. But yeah, NFC is weird. He was right NFC about Mac weird. Jones. Kyle Shanahan was was not wrong about Mac Jones. Yeah, sure wasn't. We can talk about that later. We will when put the Pats that, are when our Pats, when the Pats that, are in the Super Bowl. We will put that storyline aside until necessary. Uh, but the 49ers are right back in it. They're five and five. They are tied with Minnesota, who they play in week 12. Niners have been dominant the last couple weeks. And next Sunday is going to be super exciting. And I can't wait to talk about it throughout the rest of the week. Uh, check your feeds on Wednesday for our midweek podcast. And then we'll have a Vikings preview out for you on Friday. And uh, if we're talking. So there, there's well, a holiday this week. We'll, we'll talk yeah. off air, but we need to figure this out. I'm around, coach. Okay. I mean, I'm not, I'm really not trying to record a podcast on Thursday, but we can maybe do something Wednesday. Check your feeds. There will be podcasts <laughs> out. Big Thanksgiving guy over here. What's what? What is? I mean, I'm working on Friday, so you know. Yeah. All right, we're stopping the podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review. Goodbye, friends. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.